Oh, let's continue to give that praise unto Jesus Christ tonight. Oh, somebody help me lift him up. Help me worship him. All over this building, from the front to the back, the side to the side, lift up your voice and magnify the name that's above every name. Hallelujah. To him who was and is and is to come. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. I feel something stirring in the Holy Ghost here right now. I feel an unction in the Holy Ghost. Ah, we bless your name. We bless your name, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. How many are in love with Jesus tonight? How many are in love with the Word of God? Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Amen. Amen. What a wonderful spirit has been in this service and in this conference. So many speakers, so much burden conveyed. And I thank God for oracles of God that stand and proclaim the word of the Lord. I know my life has been changed this week. The Holy Ghost has ministered to me this week in a very particular way. Sometimes God speaks and there is a, an application and it's good for everybody. But every once in a while God will come down and he'll get real specific with you. I wasn't here at East Coast Conference more than 10 minutes and God started ringing my bell. I'm glad we have a God that cares about us. I'm glad we have a God that knows where we are. I'm glad we have a God that knows the hairs on our head. I'm glad we have a God that knows when the sparrow falls. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's a pleasure to be with you here at East Coast Conference and all of these wonderful ministering brethren. What an impact it has been on so many lives. And I give honor to Bishop Godair and the ministry and the precious family and the ministering staff here at this great church. Uh, it has impacted lives all over the world. And it is my privilege to be here and to be able to minister the word of the Lord. Praise God. Um, I'll get right to the word of the Lord as I know the hour is growing late. And um, I will ask you to turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans, chapter 8. And there's something beautiful about people of like precious faith coming together. There's something powerful. There's something exponential. There's something that, that is harnessed. And I love the praises of God's people. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> and I'm going to read one verse I think you will be familiar with. That is verse 28. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And Paul told the church at Rome something that every person needs to hear at some point in their life. When he said, and we know. I think some people get caught up in the end of the verse and they forget that part. Right. And we know. Everybody say, we know. we know. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, if you don't know, you better know. <laughs> and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There's been many a dark hour of my life where I wondered why, and I clung to verses like this like a man would cling to a life preserver. There is a plan. There is a higher purpose. God knows. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. God knows. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. And I want to preach to you a message I will entitle, We Know 
all things work together. We know all things work together. Amen. God bless you tonight. You can be seated. I love God's church. I think the church is the most beautiful thing this world has ever seen. I know that there are problems. And I know that there are difficulties and there are disagreements because we are flesh. Brother Strevel so eloquently pointed that out today. But God's church is a beautiful thing. It is the greatest institution the world has ever known. And it's not of this world. I love the worship of the church. I love the singing of the church. I love the prayer that goes up by the church. I love preaching in the church. I love established saints who make up the church. I love pastors who oversee the church. I love God's church. Amen. The church is a powerful thing. He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. If you're in trouble tonight, get to the church. If you're weary tonight, get to the church. If you're about to give up tonight, get to the church. If you're feeling good tonight, lift up your hands in the church. There's nothing like the church. It's the church of the living God. It's an overcoming church. It's a powerful church. It's a blood-washed multitude. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. Are you glad to be in the church tonight? Are you glad to be in a one God church? Are you glad to be in a Holy Ghost church? Are you glad to be in a holiness church? Hallelujah. Nobody can praise God like the church. Talent can't duplicate it. Charisma can't emulate it. But it's a channeling of the anointing of God. Hallelujah. Where an anointed man can stand behind a pulpit and can proclaim what thus saith the word of the Lord. It feels good tonight in the church. You can tell a lot about you can tell a lot about a pastor by his church. And I think the scripture says to give honor to whom honor is due. And when things are in order, when there, there is a divine connectivity. And when it's done right, the church is a force that can change the world. Done wrong, church can invite criticism. Church can be a parody. It can be a shell. And there are people who claim to come in the name of Jesus Christ and they present a picture of the church to the world that is a false picture. And I don't look at that negative picture and despair, but I, it makes me all the more thankful when I find the real church. I find the treasure hid in the field. I find the coin that was lost. I find the pearl of great price. And when I find that church, it's time to worship God. If you've got a one God pastor that's in touch with God, rejoice. If you've got a church that won't back down from the world, rejoice. 
If you've got a haven of rest, rejoice. It's the church of the living God. It's a sanctuary. It's a strong place. It's called Mount Zion. It's the new Jerusalem. Hallelujah. I love, I love to come up in a parking lot to a church that's worshiping. As you can hear the praises. I think that's what David meant when he said that he loved the gates of Zion. Amen. When he came up to the city of Jerusalem, there was something going on in the Holy Ghost. And that's how I feel when I come up to a red-hot apostolic church. And when I open up my car door, I hear somebody singing, there's nothing like the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is how we... Worship in the church, this is how we, this is, this is how church is to be. And we live in a modern world that if you're not careful, there are forces that can come to bear that would try to erode and that would try to take away from, that would try to rob, to pillage. There's a reason why Paul said that we were to take heed that no man. Jesus said, take heed that no man. Paul talked about, he said to beware lest any man spoil you. I used to think the spoiling was like meat going bad or eggs going bad, but that's not what it means. It means literally to take spoils of war. To come in and take something precious. To take something that was fought for. Something that was contended for. And he said to beware lest any man take from you. Amen. I don't want anybody taking the oneness of God. I don't want anybody taking the atmosphere that we feel here right now. I jealously guard. I earnestly contend. This thing's too precious. This thing is too great. This thing is... Oh, glory to God. There are men ready to die for this thing. There are young people ready to stand up and proclaim, This is my church. And the devil can't have it. The world can't have it. I'm not going to let you spoil the church of the living God. And I, I, I know there's forces, there's false doctrine, there's, there's evil, there's wickedness, there's all manner of things. Those things, however, don't. They don't give me as much concern as another force that I see. Because we live in a world that has seen the rise of elemental forces that they don't just combat the church. They don't just antagonize or persecute the church. They're not obvious in their attack. But they are subtle. Satan didn't ruin God's plan in the garden by overt action. But he was more subtle than any beast in the garden. It's subtlety that scares me. And in a world that has been shaped by forces of modernism. And then forces now of postmodernism. I'm not so much worried about the Satanist in the black cloak that is point zero 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 one of the population. 
But I am worried about the forces that would cause people to grow so critical, so sophisticated, so educated that it's not that they feel hate, it's that they feel nothing. It comes in the form of apathy. It's not that they hate so much as they just don't care. If you go to Western Europe today, you will find cathedrals, you will find monuments, you will find religious relics, and it is a barren wasteland. Intellectualism and sophistication and reducing the word of God down to a fairy tale. And I can feel it moving in America. I can feel, I can feel the lack of interest. People will agree with what you're saying. They'll, they'll indulge you. They'll patronize you. But at the end of the day, they won't do anything because they've been told that hell is just another place from the storybooks. They've been told that the devil is, is just like any other boogeyman that has been invented. Uh, it's, been, it's been relegated to the dustbin of fiction and legend and lore. And universities are pumping out humanism. And the, fa and, and, and the idea that man is the greatest, not God. This, this frightens me. Because I, we can overcome sin. You give me somebody that knows they're a sinner, I'll give you somebody I can preach to. They'll repent of their sins and they'll be baptized in Jesus' name and God will fill them with the Holy Ghost. I'm not afraid of that at all. I'm afraid of a person that doesn't even believe in the concept of sin. They don't need to repent because there's nothing wrong in their life. They don't have sin, they have issues. And they don't need an altar, they need medication. I'm telling you, the church needs to stand up and praise God like they've never praised Him. They need to be a light in a dark place, a city set on a hill, a candle on a candlestick. The church needs to rise up and say, we are God's people and we are not ashamed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. There is a connectedness. It is not an accident that when a God-centeredness was done away with, that violence increased. That promiscuity skyrocketed. Abortion and a host of other problems, they, they weren't looked upon as sin, they were looked upon as choices. As the word of God is dismantled, families are also dismantled. Children are also dismantled. Morality falls by the wayside. There is an erosion. There is a depletion. There is a degeneration. There is a... Now politicians are scratching their heads trying to find out how to put metal detectors in schools to stop weapons coming in and an outward solution to an inward dilemma will never work. You don't need a more, more metal detectors. You need somebody to get the Holy Ghost. You can't legislate righteousness. He's got to write his law on your inward parts. He, you've got to hide his word in your heart. And if you do, you will not sin against God. It doesn't come from a courthouse. It comes from the word of God. And it gets down in your mind and down. I will write my law in their hearts. And when they go to work, they'll have it. And when they go home, they'll have it. And when they... 
When they drive in their car, they'll have it. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Word of God. That's what the church does. Hallelujah. Oh, thanks be to God. Don't apologize for your worship. Don't tone down your worship. Don't mute your worship. Worship works. Worship kicks open the door. Worship tears down the walls. Worship. I think there's somebody at East Coast Conference tonight that's going to make up in your mind. I came to praise Him. I came to live for Him. I came to worship Him with all of my heart, mind, and soul. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. There is a design and there is a purpose. And if we lose sight of that, if we don't understand that things are connected, physical things are connected to spiritual things and it matters. I want to explain a phenomenon that happened. It wasn't too long ago that ecologists, and biologists, environmentalists looked at Yellowstone National Park with concern. It had lost so much. Something was out of kilter. The beavers were gone or greatly reduced. The diversity was all askew. It was all confused. The elk were too many. And things were out of balance and out, out of whack. Trout didn't swim like they used to. And they tried frantically to come up with a reason why. They tried a host of things. They tried a bunch of different things. Well, let's try that. Let's try this. Let's try to... Maybe we need to do this. Maybe we need to allocate some more government money. <laughs> Along with humanism, we have... <clears throat> Nothing worked. And they watched the continual degradation of something that used to be so beautiful. Something that used to be pristine. Gone were the fish jumping in the lake. Gone was the slap of the beaver's tail. Gone was the howl of the wolf. So somebody got a bright idea. One of the men studying it said, I can fix Yellowstone. It's going to make ranchers mad. It's going to make people who own livestock mad. But I can fix Yellowstone with one move. They said, well, what's the problem? And he said, the problem is... You've disrupted the balance. And one move, one catastrophic, short-sighted move that seemed like a good idea at the time has led to this chain reaction that has led to the devastation you see. And if we do one thing, within five years, everything will balance out. And they said, what is that one thing? And he said, you have to reintroduce the wolf. 
They looked at him like he'd lost his mind. We got rid of wolves. In the 1800s, they were killing everything. They roamed in packs. They were vicious. They were varmints. They were nuisance. And so, hunters, armed, shot, killed, hunted, until in the early 1900s and the mid-1900s, they had literally hunted it to extinction in Yellowstone National Park. And they eradicated the wolf. Problem solved. No more dead livestock. No more problems. No more howling. No more nuisance. Now we have a pristine place. But when you mess with the continuity, when you do something that seems so little, I'm telling you that there is a connectivity to things and all things work together. Because when the wolf disappeared, the elk exploded. A natural predator is no longer there, and so now trampling and stomping and eating and consuming. The average elk could eat so much, they lost their fear of the predator. They lost their awareness of the predator. I think that we have to have balance in the church. I want to be careful about what we get rid of. In our zeal to get rid of something that seems like a bad idea, you can wreck the whole thing. I think we need to make sure that we keep the predator right where it belongs. What are you talking about, Pastor Urshan? We're supposed to preach the devil out of people. Yeah, we are. But we have to preach about the devil. Modern religion said... We might offend people. We might scare the folks with money. We've become so sophisticated that... No when was the last time you heard a good hell message? Where are the JT Pugh, your first night in hell messages that used to rattle people and shake people and move people and cause people to run to the altar, fall on their face and repent... They didn't say they're sorry for their issues. They repented of their sin. Heaven was beautiful. Hell was hot. The devil was real. And God was great. You got to make sure you preach it like it really is. Hallelujah. I got to preach against sin. I got to preach about the devil. I've got to warn people that there is an adversary. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary is as a roaring lion walking to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. He is there. He is there. Sin crouches at the door. But psychology has told you it's not a sin. It's a mental issue. It's a social issue. We'll legislate it. We'll medicate it. We'll... Counsel it. People are trying to counsel sin. And you can't counsel flesh. Some people don't need five hours in the office. They need the Holy Ghost. They need an old-fashioned altar. They need to repent of their bad attitude. They need to repent of their sin. They need to repent of their double-mindedness. And they need to... Hallelujah. We got to preach about the devil. We got to preach about God. We, I believe that there's angels. I believe that there's the supernatural. And I'm not going to let anybody get rid of it. I can't lose my awareness of the predator. I can't lose my awareness of sin. I can't lose... Hell is hot. Hallelujah. Heaven is beautiful. We're living in a world where people are talking about remaining here. Bishop McKillop, thank you for your testimony. 
Because I want to go there too. Where he's going to wipe away every tear from our eye. In a city where the lamb is the light. There is a crystal sea. There are streets of gold. There are gates of pearl. And I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. We're living in a world where people are talking about staying here. I'm going to get my blessing. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. that. I don't want to stay here. I'm a stranger. I'm a pilgrim. I am a sojourner. I am not here. I dwell in tents because this isn't... Oh, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And my treasure's not here. But it's laid up somewhere. I want to know, do the angels still beckon you from heaven's open door? Because I'm afraid that there's some people that feel at home in this world. I don't want to stay here. I want to go. I'm not looking to make my mansion here. I've got a mansion over there. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't want more money. I don't want prosperity preaching. I want to go home to see Jesus. I want to go... I'll fly away some glad morning when this life is o'er. I'll fly away. We're living on that hallelujah side. Oh, glory be to Jesus. Let those hallelujahs roll. Something's eroding. Something's not right. Something's out of kilter and out of balance. I'm telling you it's connected. I know you think you're just going to get rid of holiness. But I'm telling you right now that when you get rid of holiness, you're going to get rid of the Holy Ghost. Because the sinews and the tendons that hold the body of Christ together, the whole building fitly framed together, 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 all things work together. We know this. We know this. that you think you're just going to get rid of the oneness of God and maybe we'll use the word Trinity but I'm telling you as soon as you do that you're going to give up the revelation of Jesus name baptism because the oneness of God is connected to Jesus name baptism and the mighty God is in Christ and when you get the revelation of the oneness of God you'll get baptized in Jesus name because it's the name of the one God because it's connected together Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. Don't mess with the continuity of the most beautiful thing. So there's a preacher from Florida that's reintroducing the wolf. I'm going to bring the devil back into my preaching. I'm bringing hell back into my preaching. I'm bringing heaven into my preaching. I'm bringing the supernatural into my preaching. I'm bringing speaking in tongues into my preaching. I'm putting it back where it belongs. I'm putting it back where it belongs. And if you put it where it belongs, it'll all... My God, people will start getting healed. People will start getting the Holy Ghost. People will start getting delivered. People... Preaching will come back. Preachers will come back. Families will be born again. 
marriages will work. The ecosystem of God's kingdom depends on things being in order. Give me a preacher that preaches the word of God. I don't want a lecture. I don't want a sermonette. I don't want a nice talk. I want preaching. I want preaching. I want the anointed preaching of the word of God. I want somebody to lift up their voice like a trumpet. I want somebody to cry aloud and spare not. I want somebody. I'm not saved by music. I'm not saved by dancing. I'm saved by preaching. Ah, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You can be seated. The elk exploded. They, the population became too numerous. They lost the fear of the predator. Usually when the wolf packs roamed, they hid back in the undergrowth. They hid back in the brush. They were ready to bolt. The wolf kills the sick. It kills the elderly. It kills the weak. It kills. There was an awareness. There was an alertness. I want to keep the alertness. The pulpit has to be alert. I want to be careful that I don't become so blessed. And I don't become so... The ecologist said one of the problems is they're, 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 they're grazing up by the water holes. That's not natural because the wolf waits at the water hole. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to get so blessed that I forget there's a devil. First generation people don't need anybody to tell them how bad sin is, they know the depravity. They know the ravenous nature of the wolf. They know what it's like to be hunted by packs. They know what it's like to be cornered. They know what it's like to face sin with fangs bared. And know that their life is going to end. And they carry scars from encounters with the predators. They know what it's like to feel nicotine's grip. They know what it's like to feel alcohol have a hold on them. They know what it's like to come from domestic violence. They know what it likes to escape, escape the clutches of the wolf. That's why nobody worships God like first generation people worship God. Because when they praise God, there's something behind their hallelujah. When they praise God, they felt the whip of Pharaoh's task master and when they praise him they praise him with knowledge when they praise him they praise him with thanksgiving they say to themselves I'm never going back I'm never going back I'm never going back they sing the song of the redeemed they sing the song of the blood washed multitude you don't have to tell first generation people to worship God they worship God anyway Hallelujah. Amen. But I'm afraid 
by the second and the third and the fourth generation, they forget what it's like to hear a wolf howl in the night. They lose the furtiveness. They lose the, the instinct. They lose. First generation people look at, they look at the world and they see the world for what it is. They have no problem looking at, they have no problem looking at a child and saying, you're not going to go and you're not going to play organized sports. Because I know what happens. I've been there. I've done that. There's an atmosphere. There's an idolatry. And God delivered us from that. Get a hoop, put it in your backyard. But you're not going to play organized sports because I know a wolf when I see one. That's just the brush that hides the wolf. That's just the camouflage that hides the lion. That's just the cover under which the predator lurks. And my child's not going into that. My family's not going to be subject to that. But when you've never felt the sting of sin, then sin stops being horrible and it becomes... It becomes enticing. It becomes cool. It becomes... If you've lost contact with what sin can do to a family and to a marriage and to children, then you're a fatted elk. Feeding and blessed and full of prosperity and don't remember what it was like. Now, I'm, I'm fourth-generation Pentecost. And I fell right into that category. One of the greatest things you can do for a young preacher is teach him to be a soul winner before he's a preacher. Because people can get behind a pulpit and they can preach and they can come up with a message and if you're not careful, it becomes oratory. It becomes pontification. It becomes learning the ropes. It becomes learning how to say a thing. And you get an empty message and, and an empty suit. And you get no grit. You get no power. You get no gravity behind the pulpit. And so a fourth generation boy went out and began to witness and knock on doors. And there's something about smelling nicotine on the breath and smelling alcohol coming out of people's pores as they sweat. And, and, and watching the devastation of crack cocaine and watching the, the, the horrific effects of fatherless boys who roam the streets. And you realize, my God, sin is not a game. Sin is not something to be played with. When you see that the, the devastation and the horrific nature, the fourth generation converts to first generation as you realize my god that's a predator that's a predator and i've got this is what my great grandfather fought against this is what my predecessor fought against this the scripture comes alive in a way that it never could in a classroom can't lose the power of what happens at a Pentecostal altar. I'm afraid that we can grow so used to this that we can just graze around the lake. See, one of the problems was they grazed around the lake and without fear of predation and without fear of the carnivore, they, they just fed wherever they wanted to. They lost, they lost the impact of what could happen and I think there's a balance in churches. I, I, I think we need to have fellowship. We need to have grazing. But I don't ever want my grazing to come before the work of God. I don't ever want to forget that there's a devil that people fight. 
I watch young people that are so accustomed to the move of God that while the altar's still going and people are still giving their lives to God, they're laughing, talking, chewing gum, and, and, and talking about what they're going to do later, and, and, and they're grazing around the lake. They have no idea that that person needs the Holy Ghost. They have no idea that that person is coming from a life of havoc and a life of chaos. And, and they're pouring out their heart. I think we've got to have an alertness that there's a predator. And we've got to run the devil out of here. And there's a sanctity at the altar. And there's a power in preaching. And there's a dynamism in the work of God. This is the most important business in this world. It is not casual. It is not Hallelujah. Somebody's got to get the Holy Ghost. Somebody's got to get baptized. Somebody needs a Bible study. Somebody needs to pick somebody up for church. I cannot allow complacency to kill me. Because I forgot that there's a predator. It's connected. Because the elk grazed around the lake, the poplar couldn't grow. The birch, the elm, couldn't grow. Well manicured, close cropped, foliage around the edges created problems. One of... I, I, I want to be careful because I want my church to be holy. I want my church to be holy. I want them to believe in holiness. I want them to line up to the word of God. But I'll tell you what, on a Sunday morning, I don't want to look out and see every single person completely pristine. I want a sinner there. If you came to my church, you would see, <laughs> you would see people that were on Sunday morning. It looks a little crazy sometimes. Because we've knocked on doors, we've pulled people off the street, we got crazy folks walking around in there. And we've got saints with, with, with everything right, and they've towed the line, and everything's good, and it's beautiful, and it's precious. But we've also got people that look like they just crawled out from under a rock. And I think that's how it needs to be. There needs to be a little undergrowth around there. You've got to have somebody that's... Hey, you could only pray Billy Bob through a hundred times. Eventually, you can't lay hands on the saints every single service. You've got to have somebody get the Holy Ghost. You've got to have somebody... Billy Bob's been backsliding for 10 years. Let him go. Find somebody that wants the Holy Ghost. Find that new blood. Yeah, they're going to have problems. Yeah, they're going to be chaotic. But let them come to church. Praise God. I'm telling you, the church works together. Things work together. <laughs> because there were no trees, there were no birds. And as I know this is rocket science, but because there were no trees, there were no beavers. I read that and I thought, what? And they said, yeah, the wolf holds the elk in check. The elk eat the foliage. The foliage brings the diversity. And so beavers disappear. I sat there scratching my head and I, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, the beaver makes the dam. And the tree that falls across the pond forms a kind of a blockage. It dams up some things. Part of a diverse ecosystem. Well, why is that a big deal? Because trout have to have still waters. How can a wolf affect trout just like that? And in the still waters away from the rushing, torrential, swirling, whirling of the stream, it creates an estuary where eggs can be laid, where, where things can be hatched. 
There's been some times where God's laid some things across my life and slowed some things down. And it was in those times that things were bred. Things hatched. I had to slow down a little bit when God blocked some things off. Sometimes a young man's life will get so out of control and so fast-paced and running with a fast crowd that God has to lay a tree called jail sentence. And in that jail sentence, there's been many a Pentecostal boy that sat on a cot that opened that Bible up and read what that Sunday school teacher told them 20 years ago and got back to what they believed. And there's a spawning and there's a solitude and there's a, a forced solitude that happens. And my God... Somebody needs to hear what I'm telling you. God knows how to bring all things work together. Oh, I know some people that quote that verse. They don't believe that verse. I'm telling you, they work together. There's people that sit there and say, my God, I'm in jail. What am I going to do? It's the devil. How do you know it was the devil? Maybe it was God slowing you down long enough so you didn't get shot. So you didn't go to you get something worse. So you didn't get a horrible disease. So you didn't wreck the rest of your life to give you six months to dry out and say, wait a minute. What in the world's going on? God knows how to pull your coattail. God knows how to get your son in church. God knows how to get your daughter's attention. God knows how to slow your wagon down. Ah, hallelujah. It works together. It works together. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. It's not the end. It's the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning. God is working. God is moving. God is stirring. I'm not trying to give a biology lesson, but I'm just fascinated by how just the inclusion of the alpha predator balanced the whole thing. One of the problems they ran into was erosion. Because when trees aren't there, riverbanks erode. There's no roots holding it in place. There's no grass to hold it in place. There's no tree roots that can... And I don't think it's an accident that as we take scripture out of schools and as we take biblical awareness out of society and as we become less and less godly in our culture that we are watching the erosion of marriage. We are watching the erosion of morality. We are watching the erosion of biblical value. We are, it's being washed away. Timeless principles are being washed down the drain. I think there's some people that got to grab a hold of the word of God and say, I've got to get rooted and I've got to get grounded in the word of God. I've got to get some roots down into the soil of the things of God. Hallelujah. I gotta sink them deep into my spirit. Hallelujah. His word, his word. Amen. I need some roots to wrap around the oneness of God. I need some roots to wrap around Jesus' name baptism. I need some roots to wrap around holiness and separation and say, I don't care how strong the wind is, I'm never gonna let go. I need some roots to wrap around speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God Ah, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in this law doth he meditate day and night. For he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. I'm trying to say that it works together. You can remain standing.
I'm here to tell somebody that you can make it through tragedy if you know that all things work together. You can make it through treachery if you know that all things work together. You can make it through betrayal and bitterness if you know all things. You know what? You know what? I don't want you to stand yet. You can be seated. I just got one other thing I want to tell you. Oh man, it's the church. Fish jumping, trees growing, aisle running, leaping for joy, speaking with other tongues. That's what it's supposed to look like. That's how it's supposed to operate. That's how I'm talking about the church of the living God. So do I really believe that all things work together? Or do I think that the good things work together? The Bible says in everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Concerning the guy next to me. No, concerning you. Did you know that if you take clams and throw them in the water into a fish tank, it'll clean the tank? I just thought I'd share that with you. <laughs> It's extremely relevant to what I'm talking about right now. But I'm going to tell you that bad things happen. Bad things can happen in churches. Bad things happen in families. But all things work together. They say that one oyster can filter five gallons of seawater in one hour. If you have a saltwater aquarium, get you an oyster and throw it inside. And if it's murky and if it's cloudy, the water will flow through the oyster and the oyster will filter it. And it'll take the trash out. And it'll leave you with a pearl. So I don't think it's an accident that this thing is a pearl of great price. I don't think it's an accident that we walk through gates of But you can't have a pearl if you don't have an oyster. Bad things happen to good people. I need to have some clams in the church that know how to take it in and when they do, they deal with the chaos. When gossip comes in, they say, it's not coming past me. When treachery comes in, it's not coming past. They know how to clam up. I believe that's why the Bible says that Jesus opened not his mouth. That's good. That's good. 
There's been some bad things that have happened and I don't get bitter about it. I don't get nasty about it. I can't allow it to happen because I know that all things God puts men in churches. He puts women in churches that understand discretion and they understand prayer and they understand pastoral communication and they say, we're not going to let this poison the atmosphere. We're not going to let this destroy the innocent. We're not going to let this tear apart the people of God. Things happen. There's humanity. There's flesh. Hallelujah. But the stink in the ark is better than the storm in the ocean. And I'm, I'm telling you that I'm not, I'm not going to let this destroy anything. I'm not going to let bitterness get in my spirit because all things work together. All things work together. All things work together. God, Reuben might betray me. Dan might betray me. Naphtali might betray me. But they meant it for bad. But God meant it for good. And all things work together. They think they're getting rid of Joseph. But all they're doing is saving Israel from a famine. You'll go crazy trying to figure it out if you don't know. So when you're in the pit, start praising God. When Potiphar's wife betrays you, start praising God. When Potiphar throws you in jail, start praising God. When the butler forgets you, start praising God. When the rats are crawling through your shirt, start praising God. Because I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know that all things, all things, all things work. Oh, come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Make sure the church stays clean. Make sure that your spirit stays right. Make sure that you're full of the Holy Ghost. That's the church. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voice. Somebody dance in the Holy Ghost. Somebody let go in the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody lay claim to your heavenly promise. Some. My God, my God, somebody talk in tongues right now. Somebody get the devil underneath your feet right now. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. In the good times, praise his name. In the bad times, do the same. In everything, in everything, give thanks. Give thanks. This is the will of God. Come on, somebody. That's the church. That's the church of the living God. That's the church that tears down strongholds. That's the church. I don't need a fog machine. I got the Holy Ghost. where you're at I want you to lift up your voice right now I want you to shout unto God shout unto God shout unto God yeah yeah walls come down walls come down that's it that's it that's it the church the church, the church, the church, all night long, all night long, all night long, all night long. I think I'm gonna pray Jesus all night long. Somebody help me lift him up. All night long. Somebody give him. 
be quiet postmodernism says you're too sophisticated to praise God postmodernism says you can't yell when you preach and you sure can't shout under the unction of the Holy Ghost I say we kick postmodernism out of the church and we have a Holy Ghost meltdown right now I need a Paul and Silas to lift up your voice and shake the chains off go 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 Go! Let it go! Shout! Shout! For the Lord has given you the city! Shout! Shout! Shout unto God! Yeah! What kind of church is it? It's an apostolic church. What kind of church is it? It's an apostolic church. What kind 